Welcome to Raising Athletes podcast, episode 48. We are so excited to be here with a pro athlete, a pro tennis athlete who has so much wisdom to impart on our parents and listeners about the life <laughs> and the, 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 the times of, of being a professional athlete. So welcome, Coco Vandeweghe. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. Okay. Susie, I'll kick it to you. All right, let's do it. Um, so Coco, as you know, I've known, I know you, I've known your grandparents forever. I, I, you know, I know your uncles or your, your mom, like the Vanderways and the Waltons have a long history together, but um, you're a youngin, so I don't know you that well, but I have always adored your family. It's definitely a model of amazing athletes who t make the best of it. And you're all, you know, healthy and like balanced lives. Like, um, yeah, the Vanderway family has always been just this, I feel like it's part of our family with the Walton since we had your uncle live with us too for a couple of years. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was a um, running comedy in my household of how long all the stories that I would hear as a as a young kid of uh, him of my uncle Brooke living at the Walton's house and how long <laughs> he was in college for. It seemed like it was never ending that he was ever going to leave school or graduate. So well, I heard my, all the stories. <laughs> yeah, well, my four sons thought of him as a big brother, and they still do. They all adore him. So. Oh. We have a long lineage between us. So you grew up around professional athletes. Can you tell the audience about your childhood and what sports your relatives all played and what sport, what sport did you start with? And when did you start playing tennis? A lot of questions for you, Coco, right off the bat. So my my family lineage is, is pretty long and in-depth, and they all think that they're the superior athlete. Uh, just depends who you ask. Um, but my, it starts uh, with my grandparents. So my grandfather played in the NBA um, in the 50s. He played for the New York Knicks while going to medical school. Uh, my grandmother's uh, brother uh, also played in the NBA, Mel Hutchins. And my grandmother was Miss America. And they had four kids, um, the oldest being Kiki Vandeweghe. He played in the NBA, I think, 13 years my mom, who is a two-time Olympian in two different sports, swimming in 76, supposed to swim again in 80, um, all backstroke, but 80 was a boycott year for the U.S. and then played um, 84 on the uh, volleyball team um, in the Olympics and also played <laughs> and swam collegiately uh, at UCLA uh, at first and then USC after she stopped swimming play volleyball for them and then uh this was before title nine so you could transfer and not have to take the year off or, or sit at any point in time and then my um aunt heather played professional horse polo um, she also played a little bit of tennis at stanford she ended up becoming a pediatrician um and then my uncle brooke who lived with you guys he played pro beach <laughs> volleyball um with uh, Sinjin Smith, Karch Karai, kind of that hey, heyday of, of um, pro beach volleyball. And then um, I guess, yeah, that's, that's my family in a nutshell of all the, all the people that you hear about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for you, like when did you start do uh, sports and what was that first sport for you? I always played sports. I always did something. Uh, the rule in our household was if you're, if you're inside, you're doing homework. Otherwise, you're outside playing something. So I was not the studious type. I never wanted to be inside to do homework. Uh, so I was always doing something. And I have a older brother, Bo, 
he um, is a year and a half older than I did. So I was just kind of the kid sister that just wanted to do everything my older brother did. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom put us in anything we wanted to do. I mean, she put us into music also to see if we would like that. I'm not musically inclined, can't hold a note, don't have the patience for instruments. So I, it, that wasn't my thing. But there was always like, because uh, I was also somewhat raised by my grandparents when my um, mom and dad got divorced. Um, I We moved to California from uh, Long Island and uh, my grandparents lived with me, um, Pal and Angel. And so my, there was always a thought process that I found out later in life behind everything that I was doing. Um, I played sports since I could remember whether it was I, I wrestled um, because my older brother wrestled. My mom put me in tap dance and ballet, and I hated that, but it was, you know, a purpose of footwork and balance and body control. And um, I was definitely a rough and tumble kind of tomboy. Um, so I would say, you know, my first sport, my first love of sport was basketball. That was my first <laughs> one. I didn't start playing tennis until um, I was 11, which is pretty late in tennis terms. Usually yeah. kids start around six, eight years old and are already competing in tournaments and getting private coaching and, and that sort of thing. And I never really did that. I went to full-time school. I played three other sports. I played soccer, volleyball, basketball, um, and tennis. So, I mean, I was, I was full-time doing something every weekend, every time after school. And I, I got sat down by my grandfather one day and he said, you know, um, you're going to have to decide what you want to do as far as um, picking a sport and if you want to dedicate yourself. And I was 13 when he, when he did that with me. And so he said, just sit in the room quietly and, and an answer will come to you. And I was, I was raised to go to church on Sunday. So it's, you know, God will say something to you. And and so I sat there at 13 and, and tennis was a thing that came to me. So it was, that was the, the yeah. thought process and the reasoning behind it, really. That's it's amazing. What a great story. And you vi- vividly quick, remember that? Yes, that's the quick version. Cause I, I really, I mean, my, my mom is definitely a go-getter and a pusher, um, you know, a no nonsense kind of, kind of attitude. And my grandfather was kind of the the yin to her yang of like mm-hmm. listening and conversating. And, you know, when you're a preteen, that's all you want is your, you know, parent, which my grandfather was my basic father for me because um, I was with him all the time and, and spent all the time with him. He would take me with my grandmother to basketball games. We would sneak out of the house when my mom didn't want me to play basketball and go to the gym and so I'd make the game on time and, and, and things like that just I mean just to be like and my mom couldn't get mad because it's her father so like, I had I had the best of both worlds in that situation and you know if I was in trouble I'd go run to my grandmother who I'm named after and um she, we just eat Oreos or popcorn in in, in their room and my mom would come in all upset at me about something, you know, getting into trouble or, or not trying hard enough. And my grandmother would be like, oh, uh, she would call my mom Tauntaun. Her her name is Tana. And, oh, Tauntaun, it's okay. She's wonderful. She's perfect. And <laughs> so I, I was definitely able to get away with some mischief um, just for having grandparents around. But I, I do remember that very vividly of my grandfather was definitely the the peacekeeper for my mental fortitude in sports and, and in school. 
Um, you know, he, he was definitely the, the quiet, soft-spoken um, person to me where my mom was more like, go hit harder, go longer, um, kind of nuts and bolts of everything. Yeah. Your grandfather is one of my most favorite human beings, Coco. He, he's awesome. He, he's, yeah. I, I, I miss him dearly. I think about him yeah. all the time. I bet you do. Wonderful. I, I think one of the things we learn too, as we get a little older is that like kind of hindsight is twenty twenty. So I, I was forced to do piano and ballet and as a young child too, and I, it was nails on a chalkboard. I was like, hated it. Like I just wanted to be where the ball was and do sports. But what I realized, and I remember saying back at eight, nine and 10, I will never make my kids do this. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I got older and as I'm raising my three kids and you are taking piano lessons and you realize, <laughs> right, the value as you age of, of what those, what they were trying to teach you, the discipline that you learned and, and trying new things. So I love the, the variety that you had, obviously. Could you talk about what you now appreciate and, and what's happened with your tennis game because of the variety that you had as a, as a young child? Well, I think I learned very early on having an older brother and being, you know, it was just the two of us. And so we were teammates and my mom loved that the two of us were teammates. So whatever my older brother Bo was doing, I had to follow along and, you know, bring the dog and let's go play in the backyard and get our neighbors and stuff like that. But we weren't, we weren't always in tune. My brother definitely liked more of the music interest or the ballet and tap dancing, he'll kill me for it, but he, he liked it a lot more than I did. And, and I was more, he ended up playing volleyball for Pepperdine. So, I mean, he's, he's a D one athlete himself and played semi pro after, after college. And, but after he wasn't the athlete, I guess, in the same way I was because being a girl surrounded by boys, especially boys that are older, if you're not good enough, you're not going to play. And it's pretty simple when you're a kid like that. You realize it's not has nothing to do with, you know, because you're short or tall or whatever. It's like, if you're good, we want you on our team. So I made sure that I was darn good enough that my brother's friends wouldn't leave me out of any game that we were playing, whether it was, you know, t touch football, which always turns into tackle or pick up basketball or soccer or capture the flag. I mean, I was I definitely made sure my athleticism kept me in the game because all I wanted to do was be included. And you clearly had a, would you say, did it, were you born with a killer mindset? Like you, cause you're saying, if I always want to be in the game, then do you, do you feel like that came out just, you came out that way? Or was that something that you acquired the better you got, the more skills you, you got playing all these different sports? I I'm a firm believer that you can't learn a killer instinct. Either you have it or you don't. And yeah. it's not, not that, <laughs> there's anything wrong with the people that don't. I mean, they learn how to win in other ways. Maybe they're smarter. Maybe they're craftier. I mean, you don't have to be like the, the push through the door. And if it didn't open, you hit it harder type of mm -hmm. personality, which is more me. But my mom would always joke that, you know, when I would get mad as, 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 you know, a four or five year old, I would just see red and there was no stopping me until the red just steamed out basically. Um, and I, I mean, the stubbornness shows and all those childhood injuries that you get, I have 62 stitches in my forehead cause I stood too close and a baseball bat hit me in the head. Cause I didn't think I was out of the game and you know, I broke both my ankles jumping on a trampoline when I wasn't supposed to do it and trying to do a flip off of it. And, you know, just stupid things like that, getting 
just being stubborn and, and, and pushing for more. And I always just love to compete and sports is always an easy way for me to compete because I always excelled at it. Things were easy. I never found a sport that was really too difficult until tennis. Does, does your fire ever get in your way though? Does it, do you still see red or what did, what did you learn? How did you learn to control the fire? I, I don't think I've found the the control yet. I mean, some days are better than others, and I've definitely worked on it. And it's definitely gotten in my way of of being able to play clearly and think through a situation. Because in tennis, it's a very mental sport. Of it's so solo and individual that you're the only one out there. So you have to be able to think clearly and be able to think yourself out of a situation if you're in trouble and. Um, it's definitely gotten the way I, I do do a lot of visualization. Um, when I was first starting out, my grandfather told me, you know, do, before I, I shoot my free throws, three deep breaths and, and visualize the shot going in and then go and shoot it. And it's, it's, I still do that in my tennis. We went over to, before I would serve three deep breaths. Okay. Visualize where you're going to hit the serve and then hit it. And so visualization has just kind of been my go-to. I've worked with a mental coach, later in my career in tennis. Um, his name is Don McPherson. Um, just more about kind of, he, he talks uh, more about like a monkey mind of, you know, everyone's going to have that internal chatter of, you know, whether it's self-doubt or distraction of, you know, wow, look at that bird going across or, um, you know, a baby crying in the stands or, or something like that, but letting the thought happen, but being able to clear it and, now let's get back to to the action and and uh, you know playing a match before it's already happened that that sort of visualization is what what I like to do and did you meditate at all yeah we do we do a body scan meditation um mm -hmm. so i i basically went in um when we first met which was over the phone um a previous coach of mine recommended him and i basically had, had tried you know, sports psychologists and, and things like that. And I'd always found that it was kind of junk to me. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like feeling codependent to somebody else and what they had to say. And if I didn't follow through, it was, you know, uh, just I being in tennis, I, I want to control everything. I want to control how I'm performing. And when I had talked previously to sports psychologist, I just felt like it was a codependency that, and it, that didn't work for me. So when I got on the phone with Don for the first time, I, I told him straight away, I said, what I, th I think what you guys do is, is BS. So prove me wrong. <laughs> and, and that's kind of simplicity. Um, and he's, he's proved me wrong in, in many ways. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know, you're not going to have a good day every day. As far as, you know, how, how you're feeling, how you start the match, or, you know, maybe you're a little grumpy for you are jet lagged. You know, there's many reasons why things don't don't happen and work as far as, you know, your mental fortitude. All right. So I I, I want to know this question. Like you, we have so many parents that are listening that have young athletes. And, you know, what advice do you give to those kids who, like, dream of playing in Wimbledon, you know, or some big time um, tournament? Um, I, I mean, I would say I, I always got told the Johnny Wooden quotes from my grandfather. So perfect practice makes perfect play. And 
And I've kind of lived by that mantra of, you know, practice how you want to play practice because practice has always been a hard thing for me. I competing is super easy. I love to compete and go out there and play, but mm-hmm. you need to practice the good for as long as you can. And when it stops, stops working or like your, your strokes break down or you're, you're getting tired. Okay. You can push a little bit longer as a kid to kind of, teach your mind and teach your body to work while tired but at some point it's like if the practice is a bad practice it's better to just go home Uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that come back the next day and work harder work better and I think it's it's a patience I think if parents learn a bit of patience with their child's sport because as kids you're supposed to learn you're supposed to learn from mistakes and make more mistakes than you're able to make the right decision because how else are you supposed to know to make the right decision on your own unless you make the mistakes? Yeah. I hope you you parents, right. I want to side note you for a minute, Coco parents. Did you hear what Coco just said? Kids are supposed to make mistakes, especially all kids and in the world of athletes, you know, sports, there's going to be a lot of mistakes. And so I feel like oftentimes parents get so on top of their kid when they're not doing it the right way or they're making mistakes and, um, you've heard it right here, people. <laughs> there's, there's, there's been plenty, plenty of times that I've lost a match, and I don't think I've finished my junior tennis career with a, with a winning record whatsoever. So it's there's been definitely hard, difficult car ride homes that you know I got laid into by my mom, just like lack of effort more so than my quality of play. She, it, it was always. It was always, did you try as hard as you can? And that was that was her always the motto. I mean, because there, there's not every day you're going to be the best player on the court, but you sure as heck have to show the best effort. And I have no problem with parents being disappointed in their child not giving their best effort. Mm-hmm. But if they're going against a, a player or a type of athlete or a type of of craftiness of, of a different opponent that they've never seen and they're making mistakes – well, how else are they supposed to learn? And I I did, thankfully, <laughs> I had my grandfather because he would tell me, he's like, okay, let's write, whether I won or lost, it was, let's write three things that you did well and three things that you didn't do so well. Let's go out in the court right now, 10, 15 minutes, work on the three things you didn't do well, and let's go get an ice cream. You know, it, it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. all the time. And I, I still do that today when I'm starting to feel a little bit lost is, after matches, whether it's a win or a lose, I go in my journal and I write three things that I really liked that I I performed in my match and three things I'm like, okay, this is what I want to work on. And it, it doesn't have to be another hour practice. It can, it's literally 10, 15 minutes of, okay, let's hit four more serves. Let's shoot four more, you know, half court shots. If you feel like you could have shot that better. I mean, <laughs> not everyone's Steph Curry and can hit them every time, but at least you know, if you feel like it's a capability that you have, you have to work on it. And there's no better time to work on something than in the moment when you're you're feeling the anxiety of it or you're feeling the sadness of, of losing or, or something like that. It always it always sticks a little bit more when you're when you're feeling that way as a kid. So you said you had the yin and the yang with your mom and your mm-hmm. grandpa. So it, it, it feels it sounds like and let me know if this is right, Coco, that it actually really worked for you. Like, because you got the both best of both worlds. Is that how you would see it as that? Yes, definitely. And I, I, I definitely believe that 
no athlete really makes it unless they have someone that pushes them because you can't expect a kid to want to go and shoot the extra shots or hit the extra serves or the extra forehands or no kid wants you. They'd rather go play and with their friends or, you know, do, do something else. I mean, now it's, it's more the generation of TV and video games where that wasn't quite my generation, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's why it was great that I had my mom because she would push me and knew what buttons to push as most parents do. And, you know, throw, throw little things of like a girl I didn't like so much and be like, you know, I bet, I bet Susie is, is hitting extra serves today. And that would just <laughs> irk, irk me to well, bits. Like I would, I'd be so mad and, and just go out there and, and do it. And I, I had no business of wanting to be out there, but she would come out, out there and drop me off and sit out there with me and, and, you know, get the work done because uh, you you need someone that can push you and it did work for me really well and it's not going to work for every child that you have I mean every kid thinks a little bit differently but it worked for me really well yeah so so I just want the parents that are listening to realize you don't have to parent an athlete the same way as the other parent everybody has their way of doing it and hopefully that your child the athlete will be able to get something from both ways if there's two ways because sometimes the biggest argument among parents is like doing it differently and you know I always I always tell parents I feel like you know your kids are going to have different teachers different employees different coaches so let them have that if you have two different ways of parenting an athlete then that's what the kid has and they're learning how to make it both work and it sounds like you had that great example with your mom and grandpa yeah, I, I definitely think kids are, are smarter than everyone gives them credit for, and they'll figure out how to adapt in a situation. I mean, mm-hmm. I think kid, kids are great adapters, and I saw I got to saw it with my y- younger siblings because um, I, I have two younger siblings that are 10 and 12 years younger, so like I was old enough to actually see and understand what was happening and the tricks that were being played and things like that. I mean, the only reason I got into tennis was because my mom put my older brother into tennis and I was like, well, if he's doing it, I want to do it. And all along, my mom wanted me to play tennis because she fell in love with it towards, you know, when she was done playing sports and was in New York doing broadcasting, she was playing tennis for fun and fell in love with it. So she wanted me to do it. And you know, there's, there's tricks to be played and, and kids will adapt and figure it out. Yeah, Coco, like Susie said, it sounds like you have a great combination of your grandfather and your mom's voice in your head. Do, it, do, is there times when one is stronger than the other? Is it something that's changed over time? That's something you now appreciate? You know, may, I can imagine, you know, we have a lot of, I have a teenage daughter right now and my daughter's playing volleyball and I know several moms who are like, ah, my daughter's driving me crazy. Right. So they're, <laughs> they're having issues with their daughters and they're bet- betting back, you know, it'd be interesting to hear your point of view as has your relationship with your mom changed over time or, you know, the appreciation that you may now have for her wisdom that you didn't maybe even the several years ago. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's, it's our relationship has gone in ebbs and flows. I, I depended on her, so much when I was first starting and then you know the teenage years are always going to be tough and those are the years that you probably don't like your daughter that much or the daughter really doesn't like their mom all that much because they know better and they know everything and I I really I went pro at 16 so 
I thought I knew everything. And, and at 18, I, I went to go train with the Federation, uh, the USTA, and my mom told me I would hate it. But because my mom was telling me I would hate it, I was determined to make it work and, and figure it out. And I was there for two years and hating it. <laughs> but <laughs> I was I was determined to be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm, you know, 17, 18. Like, I, I know better. I, I know what I'm doing in tennis. She knows nothing about tennis. You know, those conversations that you have to yourself. And she was absolutely right. And I, I hated it. And it was a terrible time. And I was lonely. I missed being at home because I was in Florida. And and I, I definitely, now that my career is kind of um, matured and, and it's, it's actually probably, I think, harder for her to release the fact that, like, now I just turned 30 and, like, I've been doing this for a long time. I still love to have my mom around, but I don't need the codependency of, like, Okay, can you do my laundry? Okay, can you can you like get get uh, my tennis rackets and make sure I pack my shoes and and that sort of thing? Because I think, at least with my mom, she's uh, definitely holding on to the little girl aspect. And that, as I was like in my twenties and twenty six, twenty seven, and just traveling the world, I was like, I don't need to be coddled. I'm I'm totally fine and and ready to just like rule the world and. And so it's, it's definitely a change in relationships and I'm sure we'll change our relationship three, four, five more times before <laughs> it's all said, said and done where, you know, things change and I'm a parent at that point. So I, I think parents are so important and so monumental, especially mothers and daughters. It's, it's turmoil at sometimes it's great love. And I think the biggest thing that parents can teach their kids is, respect and it respect each other um you know the kid at some point you know you have to respect your kid as an equal playing field to you um when they get older and not you know be the you know parent of a 12 year old and telling them what to do all the time it's the same thing as you got to let your teenager make the mistakes and choose choose it even if it's for two years they're going to <laughs> Florida and you know they're hating life but you know what they're gonna figure it out at some point <laughs> so I think it's 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 great that I had my mom as like was judge jury and executioner and in, in everything that I did but also I had such a backbone in my grandfather to be like he's still her dad in a way so I mean it's 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 a little bit different than kind of a husband wife relationship because yeah. my mom always respected her her father and and kind of knowing better and doing better and and that sort of thing but she definitely was judge jury and executioner my whole life and still is <laughs> <laughs> maybe one last pivot and we kept you on for half an hour which we so appreciate but uh, one piece that you're 30 you said and and you've been doing this a long time and one thing that comes up now is kids are specializing earlier and earlier. You're seeing more injuries. And then there's, you know, a huge mental component. I mean, add COVID to that, add, um, you know, overuse injuries. All of these things become very stressful um, to the parent and the and obviously the athlete. And I know you suffered an, an ankle injury a couple of years ago. And, and you're, can you talk about how you overcame that or how you're over, you know, is it a daily thing still or is it in your rearview mirror or? 
It's it's a daily thing. I mean, it took me out of the game for two years, and it was the nerve issue, um, which is called CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. Um, it's basically hypersensitivity of the nerves. Like I couldn't have a bed sheet on my foot. It, I was I would be in immense pain. Um, but it's your body's fight fight or flight of you know, it doesn't know it's being chased by a bear or I'm running down a tennis ball. It's it's still pumping adrenaline in, in the same way. And basically, I, I went and saw a specialist in Stanford. And she basically was like, you've basically ha- have put your body under immense pressure since you were 13. And to now you're, uh, this was two years ago, so I was 28. Now your body has just said, it's, I had played with this injury for over a year, not stopping to properly get it checked out or do the rehab or anything like that, just because I felt the pressures of, of sponsors and, you know, making making these tournaments, appearances and, and money and finance, you know, all those things go along with it once you become a professional of your decision making. And I took I took the wrong advice from my coach to keep, you know, playing and feeling like I had something to prove um, in my tennis and and it just ended up my body shut down and said no more we're not going to play injured anymore and this was my body's way of saying stop and I wish I had listened to my body a lot earlier in my career I've I've had different ankle and foot um, problems my whole career and um, I I have always been a push through pain type of person um you know if it's if it's not bleeding you better not be crying kind of kind of thing and and I wish I had just kind of the knowledge of like you always feel like it time is slipping away like your peers are are getting in front of you um they're they're succeeding and you're falling behind and I wish I would have had the you know hindsight's 2020 but the patience to be like it's okay rehab properly um, make sure your muscles around um, the ankle um, are strong enough to be able to perform for another year another two years another five years um, so I think that's that's probably one thing I wish I had done uh, looking back on it but the specializing in sports now it, it blows my mind how early and how young these kids are not only getting full-time private one-on-ones from coaches um, doing physical training with at a gym, you know, doing all these things. And it's like, you forget that your kid's a kid, let them be a kid, go play, go, go pick up a sport that maybe you don't like as a parent, but he wants to be with his friends or she wants to be with her friends. I mean, that's why my grandfather would sneak me out to basketball games all the time. And <laughs> cause I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to play, basketball in the game and you know and and make make the winning shot and stuff like that and have all my friends talk about it at school no one knew that I was going to winning tournaments on the weekend for tennis that didn't matter so it's 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 so important to let your kid be a kid and and there's a time and a place to specialize and obviously you don't want to wait too long but I mean these kids that are don't learn how to be better athletes better athletes or better people because they're around adults all the time, which is a private coach and, and, and this and that where it's like, you got to learn how to work with your peers and, and work against them, work with them and, you know, build, build relationships in that way. And I, I think 
sports are a great place to do that. But if you're specializing in, in putting your kid around adults all the time, you, your kid never becomes a kid. They never learn from from that. So it's it's sad to me and, and that I see so many of these kids. I mean, even in tennis, it's probably worse than anything that they get shipped off um, to an academy. And it's like, when when did they get to go to school and, and enjoy, you know, a school dance or, you know, go to a high school football game or something like that. It's, it's, those, those things are important and they matter to, you know, your, your child. And I think some parents kind of lose sight of that because they see, you know, the bright lights and, and the victories and the medals and the trophies and the praise and all that stuff. But I, it's, I just find it so important for your child to be a child. Yeah. Um, yes. I love that. I love that you were raised with do your homework indoors or go play outdoors. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but I have one more question for you, Coco. Um, what are the biggest gifts from being a strong female athlete that you feel will help you throughout the rest of your life? Um, actually, I think that would come from my grandmother. Um, she, she definitely uh, raised me to be a strong powerful woman and how to walk into a room and, and hold yourself, conduct yourself. I mean, the amount of times my mom would send me in with a book um, to read aloud to my grandmother and my grandmother critiquing me on how I was holding myself or if I was mumbling or, you know, something like that. At that time, I was like, oh, come on. I just want to get through this, this stupid book that I have to read for high school. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be critiqued at, at, and she was, she was a lit major and at um, BYU. And, and that's why she entered the Miss America pageant was so she could continue school at at Utah. So, um, cause at that point and in the fifties, um, you know, women didn't really go to college and they didn't get, you know, extended degrees and things like that. And uh, this was her only way to do it. And it was her only pageant she ever entered was Miss America. Well, Miss Utah, Miss America. And she won it. And that's the <laughs> only way she was able to pursue, you know, a, a degree. And huh. so I, I learned later in life that, you know, all these speaking aloud and reading from a book and, and dissecting it with my grandmother helped me so much like now the amount of public speaking that I do and mm. interviews and thinking on the cuff of of that sort of of uh professionalism I learned from her and being able to walk into a room for a sponsor meeting or a player party and you know how how to to do it it was all from her and it and it gave me such confidence that as you know, a teenager, I think most, or even in middle school, kids lack so much self-confidence, even if they're the best athlete in school, it's just a weird time. You're going through puberty and you, you don't know what's going on and, and to have someone give it to you and, and show you little secret tidbits and how to walk in heels and things like that. I mean, it, it's all came from her and that's kind of how I've conducted myself. Also, it's, it's shown on the tennis court of just the pride that I have in myself and, and the, the professionalism that I, that I conduct myself under um, all really came from her. Well, you know, knowing your grandma and while you speak to about her, like my, I can see it all. I can see exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. And I think it's fabulous that you had her as that role model in that area of your life. Like 
you know, your parents went through a divorce, but wow, what a silver lining. <laughs> you got to I know. Your, it's, it's probably the best outcome that anyone could have had is, exactly. uh, you know, separated parents, single mother getting raised by their grandparents. And it's like, yep. this is great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good. So Coco, I'm actually a, a mental skills coach like your the man you were talking about you're working with. And I have an athlete I'm working with right now who's 14 who dreams of doing what you're doing. What advice would you have to her about at 14? She's getting ready to start high school. She's like, I want to play pro. I'm getting ready to play in high school. I'm working on my UTR. I mean, maybe said another way. What advice would you have to your 14-year-old self knowing what you know now? <laughs> um, I would I would definitely say have patience and and learn learn from your mistakes. I think like I was saying earlier, just how people are so focused on, you know, the bright lights and the trophies that they kind of miss the learning steps. You're still learning at 14 and I and I would only say to you is that your your player is Forget about the UTR. I mean, of course, you have to have goals, and, and goal setting is, is very good. And I set goals at the start of every year, still now to this day. And make sure they're realistic. I mean, don't have – you can always have the, the really ultimate goals of, you know, what you want in your career. You know, I still have be number one in the world. I wanted to represent my country in the Olympics and and win a Grand Slam title, Um uh, as well as win the Fed Cup, which is a big um, international event for for tennis. Um, those were my four lifetime goals, and I set those. But I set monetary goals of through the year. Okay, I want to make this ranking, um, finish uh, in the finals of this many tournaments. Uh, make sure that, and also make sure that you have goals for your also yourself. Uh, you know. I want to make sure I make my bed every day. You know, simple goals like that that are important. And because if you don't learn how to manage the person as a person, you can't expect to manage the person that's on the court. So I think you have to goal set also in, in both both areas. I love that. Amazing. Um, so last question, and I promise uh, we love to ask everybody <laughs> that we have on. <laughs> The best, how would you finish this sentence? If we, if we just teed this up, the best athletes I know do this, what would be the, the one thing or a couple things that you would impart, impart on us? The best, best athletes I know, um, they, they recover the best. So they make sure they get to bed on time. Uh, they make sure they eat right. They make sure they stretch, do the foam rolling, the trigger point stuff. Um, whether it's cold tub, hot tub stuff you want to do or go in the ocean. And if you have an ocean available, that's my always go-to if I need a good recovery. I think the, the vitamins and minerals and stuff that are in the ocean are fantastic, but that's just me. But find, find your routine that works best because I think the best athletes have the best routines. Great. You're so good. So good, Coco. My gosh, yeah. I love you. <laughs> I know. I don't think you're 30. I am no, no, questioning no, no. her age. She has way too much wisdom for 30. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's Coco Vandy, V-A-N-D-E-Y, um, on both of them, on both those platforms. So you can find me on there. You're amazing. Thank you so much.
Oh, thank you guys. And parents, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast and know a sports parent who's raising athletes, we'd be so honored if you would go onto iTunes and rate and share this podcast. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear feedback. Share it. I heard somebody last week saying they binged listened to us for five hours as they drove from Kansas to Indiana. We'll take it. So <laughs> our, our goal is to support parents in not only raising strong athletes, but more importantly, extraordinary people who are trying new things, failing forward, getting up and doing it all over again. Let's, Let's do this. Do this. <laughs> Thank you, Coco. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. you.